Hi there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is the More Simple Podcast and I am the host, Mo. So today I am super stoked to talk about this person and also hear her story. Her mission and her purpose is one that really gladdens my heart. And I, when I met her, it was at a support group for podcasters. And when she was talking, she actually has this sweet, quiet, but gentle strength about her. And you could tell that even under all of that, there was this passion bringing about you know, what she was talking about. And the more she talked, the more I realized that, you know, I'd like to be a guest on her podcast because, you know, what she does is really phenomenal. So she's really big on education. And if you know me, you know that's one of my biggest passions as well. So I was like, you know what, let's just do this. But she beat me to it. She emailed me and the rest is a sales history. So today I'll be talking about, I'll talk, talking with and about Shani Maria Ogilvy. She is super passionate about education. She helps elementary teachers with zero to 10 years of experience to manage their classrooms and effectively instruct young learners so that both the students and the teachers will feel fulfilled. She's also known for a lot of skills. She has good listening skills. She's results-oriented. And she uses a laser-focused approach to instruction and classroom management. She earned her Master's of Education and a Supervisor Certification from Montclair State University and has spoken at the Rutgers School's Culture and Improvement Project on implementing school culture goals. She currently works as an ELA content reviewer. She enjoys learning about educational research best practices for teaching and innovative curricula. As you can tell, this is someone that really, really loves education. Like, she, didn't, she doesn't stop at a degree. You know? <laughs> She's like, you know, finding best practices and all that kind of fancy stuff. So everyone, please give a warm welcome to Shani Marie as I bring her to the podcast. Hi, Shani Marie. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be there. Thank you, Mo, for that uh, warm introduction and warm welcome. I'm so happy to be here. As Mo said, education is my passion. It's something that I love. And um, I'm so happy here to talk to Mo because she she also loves education. And I also had her uh, as a guest on my show. And uh, yeah, I just love talking to her because she brings so much to the conversation. But yeah, I'm excited um, to be here. <laughs> thank you. You're so kind. Um, so let's just unpack a couple of things. And let's start from the very beginning. You know, Tell me a little bit about you, how you grew up, and what you identify as racially and ethnically speaking. Yeah, so I grew up in Jamaica. My family migrated here when I was 12 years old. And, um, and so being that I migrated, I definitely identify with my Jamaican heritage. I'm Jamaican, 
but as you grow and as you learn, you know, and you meet new, meet, you meet new people, you start to think about things differently. So now I identify as Afro-Caribbean. And um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I think I, I know what that metamorphosis you're describing. I know. I think I have a feeling of that. So let me explain what I think you said. And I'll use myself as an example. So growing up in Nigeria, and I was Nigerian, like I never thought I was, you know, black, black. And when I say black, I'm not saying like, you know, I didn't think my skin wasn't popping enough. I'd always, you know, loved everything about myself being Nigerian, you know, melanin popping and all that. <laughs> but it was when I moved to the US I realized that I was black. Almost like the moment I got down from the airport and entered my port of entry, I was handed this Cryola box, all of the colors of the world, like pick your corner sister and I'm like oh yeah hold up wait a minute what <laughs> so and it took a while to kind of shed that I'm still proud of Nigeria like nothing's ever gonna change that but I also identify as black you know and I'm thinking of that social construct and owning it but it took me a while to get there so I see how you described yourself originally as Jamaican and I still know you're Jamaican but now you I think when you're in the US you, you also say you're Afro-Caribbean so would you say that Afro part of you was more became more nuanced when he moved to the US because I know yeah. Jamaicans can be proud as well, like Nigerians. You guys have your nationality pride, you know, and, and that's really good, mostly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jamaicans are super proud. Sometimes we take we're a little bit extra. We're we're a little bit extra with it, but <laughs> <laughs> have you met Nigerians? <laughs> yeah, we could we can be extra. But... Yeah, so it's definitely, you know, nuance. Like when I first came here, I I didn't want to claim my Af- African side of me. You know, I was like, what? I'm African, you know, because we all have that negative stereotype, what we see on well, TV. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, as I got to meet more people, a good friend of mine, um, he lived in Benin most of his life. And he came here when he was an adult. And, you know, we used to hang out, talk and eat, you know, go out do stuff and I realized like wow we eat the same like we eat the same food we cook the same types of food like you know the food that my family cooks is well he cooks in his house and he's from all the way in Africa and I started making the connection like wait a minute the same thing that we used to do in Jamaica you know in terms of like the culture and some of the practices that's what he was doing and I was like well wait a minute Maybe there is some African. <laughs> Maybe there is some African in me that I just I didn't I didn't accept or for whatever reason, you know, you know. But just by meeting him and different people, I've come to accept that part of me and you know embrace it because it it is a part of me. It's it's a big part of me because you know through the transatlantic slave trade when you know Africans were brought to the Caribbean and to America and it it just made me it. I made the connection where as before I didn't I didn't see it at all, you know, growing up in Jamaica. And yes, you know, we did not that Jamaica is like anti African or anything like that, but you know, growing up like you talk about social constructs and how, you know, Africa is viewed, it's it's a negative stereotype. I understand what you mean. I understand. Even as an African there's some other African countries I already hold stereotypes, you know, about even without even meeting anyone from there or even going there because of the media. So you don't have to almost like try to say like, oh, I know this is wrong. We all know, we didn't know it was wrong as at that time when we were ingesting this thing. Now that we're older, 
we're trying to see the world, you know, in a different place. And thank God for like globalization, where we can get to interact with people from other parts of the world and realize that, my gosh, people are people, countries are countries, and there's so many stereotypes we have. And it's just to accept it, not like, like open it out and then see how you can learn and throw some of those old ways away. So I do understand what you mean. That, yeah, yeah. And very interesting. I, I guess in, in that regard, our paths are similar. And I, I want to just, you know, go off a little bit of a tangent. When you're talking about food and with your being friend and realizing that, wow, you know, he's from that other part of the world and I'm from here, but then we have so many similarities. I had almost that epiphany moment with my Korean romance in 2014 when we spent the summer together in Boston and the way, the, the way they ate rice and also the way they talked about food and the national pride of that country made me realize that, my gosh, I had so many, sim- we had so many similarities with Koreans, especially, you know, um, that familial piety, being very respectful towards others. And, uh, you know, and I think that can also start making me inch a little bit as adopting Korean as a second culture because I realized that there was so much I could learn, but there was also so many similarities that we had. So I'm glad you had that conversation with your friend. I, I, I really opened up your eyes. Yeah. So, <laughs> good, good. Another question I'd like to uh, ask you is this. When I moved to the, before I moved to the U.S., I mean, you learn about your country's history, but of course, it's always usually on the positive side. And then moving to, from a country who's kind of, who's kind of developing to a country that is quite developed, and you hear about your country in a different way, almost like it's written from the standpoint of someone that was richer and, you know, I had more power. And sometimes your country was being seen as this backwater place and a place that, you know, was just full of monkeys running around and all that kind of stuff. And of course, it fills with so much anger. But it was also the stereotypes you heard about your country. Almost like everybody thinks Nigeria is just one street along Africa and everybody there is on their computer trying to scam the nearest idiot. Sorry, the nearest, <laughs> the nearest, <laughs> trying to scam the nearest white person. And, you know, I still went on, it's like, this is so old. Like, is that all you know about Nigerians? And using that as an example to, you know, really ask you is Jamaica. I have been to Jamaica before. I went to Montego Bay, but I, I, I went to the airport. And when I got down, I had I used to have braids on then, and everyone thought I was Jamaican. I would speak, you know, Creole, even patois to me, and I, I couldn't respond. And they're like, "Oh, you look Jamaican." I'm like, "No, I don't." Like, "Thank you, but I'm not Jamaican." And I don't yeah. try to say. Um, I almost even got like my bus ride free from the air, from the airport to the hotel. Now, admittedly, I stayed at the Hilton Rose there, which is you know yeah. very high end hotel, and I didn't really go out, so I didn't explore like the local scenery. But one thing I really loved was the hospitality from the airport even within the hotel you guys went above and beyond and i love the fish you know i loved aki i ate you know salt oh. fish, and I, I i had breadfruits you know there was mangoes bananas in abundance and uh, but the idea i have about jamaicans is just you guys are just laid back and you just want to smoke weed all day chill everything's gonna be all right and i do know for a fact that smoking weed publicly in jamaica can put you in jail everybody thinks like you know jamaica is just like flowing with, you know, weed and honey, but you can get, you know, locked up for smoking. But I just want to ask you this. What is that perception we have about Jamaicans that might be wrong, but, you know, even though it seems harmless if you want to smoke weed and chill all day, compared to people can think your country people are like scammers and, you know, um, internet frosters, what's that perception people have about Jamaica that you would like to set straight, speaking as a Jamaican? 
And that was a very long question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, okay. Well, yeah, I would say the per, the perception of, yes, you know, yes, we are laid back, but I, I think we also are very determined. We're very hardworking. And, uh, you know, we're, we're also into, like, you know, the arts, the culture, sports, and entertainment. Like, that's a big part of the culture. Um, you know... Yes, sports is even a bigger part because everybody always talks about, you know, track and field with Usain Bolt and all that. But I think the arts also plays an important role in the culture in terms of like the music and plays. And because I remember growing up, you know, that was a big part of that was a big part of school. Like we always have plays. We have um, I forget what it's called now. Forgive me. But, you know, we have this big event like every year where all the schools in Jamaica they go and they perform you know different like plays and skits and acts and it's just so I think the you know the Uganda smoking we smoking yeah that is a part of it but that's (laughs) that that's a small part of it and funnily enough like the the weed the smoking weed part of it um Mm -hmm. it's actually like like for some it's considered like medicinal and so, you know, you have people that abuse it, obviously, but a lot of people that use it, it's more medicinal, like they don't abuse it. Uh, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, that's another part of it. Yeah. So, you know, we're very hardworking, determined and, you know, very prideful and we love our culture and yeah. Yeah. yeah no problem. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I love some interest, interesting facts about your country. So I love some fruits like bananas, mangoes, and sugarcane. And your country has, you know, largely cultivated that, even though it wasn't, those fruits were not indigenous. And your country was the first country in the world to set a bobsled team. You know, you had, no, there's no snow in Jamaica, but you guys filmed like a bobsled team and you went to the Olympics. I thought that was amazing. I, I learned that fact from that movie, Cool Runnings. And also, um, just, I think the resilience of you, of you, of you guys as a whole. And for those that love travel, Jamaica has very few snakes on there. Way back in time, they sent like a mongoose. They got like mongoose to like eradicate the snakes. So they, you don't have a lot of snakes in Jamaica. And if you do encounter a snake, chances are they are non-venomous. So for those that are, you know, deathly afraid of snakes, Jamaica <laughs> might just be yours. And anyway, one of their biggest exports is, um, is travel. As a matter of fact, in 1994, Jamaica was the first country in the world to launch a website dedicated to travel. I think it was jamaicatravels.com. So yes, visit Jamaica. It's, it's so good. So yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about this, you know, the most serious things now. You went into education, and I've I've always encountered two kinds of people that are currently in education. Those that it felt like it was just something they had to do, but you also find those that are really passionate about it. Because for the most part, I think it's a thankless job because you do so much, and the remuneration is not very it's not equitable to the kind of work you put in as teachers. So, Preta, what inspired you to go into education? Yeah, so it's kind of like a long story, but I'm I'm gonna try to keep it as short as I can. Um, so yeah, when I was a little girl, I loved reading. Like it was like all I did. It's funny. Like my dad took a picture of me, and I, I had like all these books like in front of me, <laughs> and I was just like so like in my books. And so like as, as I got older. You know, I started um, babysitting. Like that was like one of my first jobs. Like you know, taking care of kids and and funnily enough, I 
I went to bit well, yeah, I went to business school, and then after business school, I was like, you know what, I, I, I just it's not something that I wanted to do, and I thought, well. I always earn money babysitting. I love working with kids, and I love reading, and I love learning. And so I was like, I'm, I'm gonna go into teaching. So it was kind of like accidental, but I'm a learner myself, and so and I love working with kids. And I said, well, okay, I don't want to do business, so I'm gonna put my love of learning and working with kids, and I put the two together, and I came for teaching. And so yeah, that's how I came into teaching. My mom is a teacher. And so,、um, I didn't go into it because of her, but、um, once and once I once I got into it, I was like, okay, I really feel good about this. Like I just, you know, when you start, you, you I just had a good feeling. I was like, th- this is where I'm supposed to be. And so, yeah, I I ended up staying in teaching, and I absolutely love it. And、um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, I mean, very interesting because we're similar in that regard. I love to learn. I was always reading as a kid, but I didn't think I was gonna go into education as a whole. I went into pharmacy, and now I teach, you know,、um, graduate students and professional pharmacy students in a university. But I think where we differ is that I'm not very keen on teaching kids. You know, I think there's a level of grace you need to have to teach little kids, and I don't have it. I do have a huge respect, you know. Teachers have taught me when I was a kid, and they've shaped my mind. They, I used to be the kid that would ask a lot of questions in class. They indulge me, they listen to me. So I wouldn't be here without them. So kudos to them. But I know for myself, personally speaking, I don't have that grace. So thank you for all you do. Oh, you're it's welcome. Nice to, it's kind of nice to hear about you know just that. And I understand that your you even though your mom is a teacher, you didn't go into that. But I imagine now that. You guys have a lot to talk about, and you can even glean on her wisdom, and you know maybe find ways of doing some things as well. So that's good.、Um, but I'm curious, you know, as someone that is in education, what what do you think are some personal character traits that a person must possess to be a very good or even exceptional teacher? Wow, yeah, I would say the main thing is that you need to be a learner because things are constantly changing, and. It, it's great to have a passion, but sometimes your passion is not going to be enough because you have to adapt and you have to. It's so many things that you have to to juggle in the classroom.、Um, so you have you have to be flexible. You have to be a learner, and I would also say patience because it's it's almost like I was reading a quote the other day. It, it's almost like it's your own kids, and you have to have the patience and the spirit to to. When you feel like you want to pull your hair out, you just have to just take a deep breath and say, "This, this is how I'm going to handle the situation," and just stay calm because kids will drive you to that level. <laughs> and I'm sure parents know this, but in the classroom, as a teacher, you know, but you <laughs> you have to look past. You know, you have to find your strength and find your calm, and just be like, okay, find your will, find your wise. Maybe you have it just <laughs> not in your classroom. Oh my goodness! Okay, I need to ask this. I teach older students, and it's not always easy. For one, you can you know you're supposed to spank kids, but even when you're tempted to, you know you cannot do that. So, do you think it's easier teaching kids? I still think there's a component to ease as far as it's easier teaching kids, like or versus teaching like. Adults like in the classroom. What, what are your perceptions? And I would doubt this here, by the way. <laughs> yes. 
So I think there there is a difference, but I think in the end, it kind of boils down to the same thing because the the angle is you want you want you want whether if it's an adult or a child, you want them to learn something, to take away things, and to apply it to somewhere else in their life, right? And so, but I think with kids is what's different is that with kids, you're 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 really shaping them, and so. They they don't have any, I want I don't want to say any, but they don't have a lot of experiences that they're already bringing to the table. They're impressionable. Yeah. More impressionable. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like you're teaching them those skills. You're teaching them those social skills that they need. You know, you're really kind of set, you're setting their mindset already. But with adults, it's like it, it that stuff is already there so you have to use those experiences to teach them whereas with kids it's like you're helping them to learn from those experiences and teaching them social skills so i mean i guess you're right in that regard yes i think it's about just choosing what your strengths are and how you can um basically cope because your your potential strength as a teacher also matters because you don't want to be explosive you don't want to corrupt the integrity of your classroom. So if you yeah. think you're not going to be good with kids, then don't teach kids. Maybe choose another demographic. I have taught seventh and eighth graders. I used to mm-hmm. teach them. Um, I used to be like a tutor, like a math tutor for inner city kids in Austin. And I love teaching seventh and eighth graders because they were all into music and I love music. So we'll talk about that while teaching them, you know, concepts in mm-hmm. mathematics. But I knew if I had gone like two grades lower than that, I was, I would have just been chaotic because, you know, kids crying and being it's just like ah uh, just yeah it's yeah that part of it is hard to deal with you know i think once you have a system and once you have a, the structure in place kids yeah. will, kids will fall into line um and i taught yeah and just one more thing yeah like i taught fifth grade for a little bit and it was funny, like the same kind of behavior I was seeing in kindergarten. I was seeing it in, in, with fifth graders, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just putting that structure in place. And once you have that structure in place, it gets easier. Yeah, okay. it does. Well, um, I have just a couple more questions for Rondo. And so you you teach right now. You're very passionate about innovation and I love just that tip you gave of being a learner because a lot of things keep changing like you said and you need to be able to move with the times to be able to shape the minds of your students or whatever population you're serving. Um what's your future like? What do you think your future is gonna be like in this field? Are you you think you're gonna still be here? Or are you thinking of like joining something to it or you know this is just what you wanna do and you, you think you might do it for the rest of your life? Yeah, so um right now um like I work as an ELA content reviewer, so like I'm not in the classroom and I'm so I'm not like in in the classroom right now. Um, so like I review curriculum, um, but I am gonna stay in education for a long time. Uh, right now I'm working on uh, creating courses for teachers, and so that's like the more business side of more business entrepreneurial side of it that I'm uh, exploring um, because I feel like. I want to make more of an impact. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, I want to make more of an impact because I feel like when you work in the classroom as a teacher, you reach a lot of students like year after year. But when you start working with teachers, once you start working with multiple teachers, like you're impacting more and more kids. And I've done that with uh, some coaching I did with teachers. 
So you can have more of an impact if you're working with teachers because the more teachers you work with, the more classrooms you can impact. Yeah. So um, yeah, right now I'm developing courses for teachers, and um, yeah, hoping to build that side of build that side of my education passion. <laughs> wow. So almost like you're doing the train the trainer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. 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 Well, um, aside from your work in education, it seems like you've probably ventured into entrepreneurial entrepreneurship. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what was that about and how did that turn out? Yeah. So I'm actually in the process of it right now. I started the business last year, um, hmm. last year, October. Yeah. At the beginning of October. And um, it's been interesting. <laughs> it's definitely a lot of work and a lot of moving parts parts and sometimes you see other people with their businesses and they're like oh yeah they're making a lot of money but once you go behind the scenes and like see what they had to do <laughs> it's like whoa <laughs> so um yeah so starting an online business is definitely difficult but I'm gonna push through it because it's something I wanted to do like in the long term like I, I want more location freedom and um what's the other thing yeah, so location freedom. Income stream. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you able to tell us what your business is about? Yeah, so my business, so we focus on three things. We we or I help teachers to master their craft, which is, you know, becoming a better teacher, being a more effective teacher, using their voice. So, you know, as a new teacher or even a veteran teacher, sometimes we hold back as teachers. We don't want to give our opinions or say what we really feel but that's important because that's how we're going to improve and then the last thing is to enhance student learning so when you're able to master your craft and use your voice you're gonna those those are the things like that are gonna help to make students learn so or enhance student learning and with that with those things um yeah i'll be offering courses for teachers uh, in classroom management, instruction, and yeah, so that's what it's about. That's what the business is about. Uh, it's an evolving process, but I've started, so that's the good part. <laughs> oh, I think I see. I think I see what you do here. You what? What your passion in education and training the trainer? You made that into an entrepreneurial path for you. So this is where your passion and your hobby come together as one, because they're the same thing, and then you're able to like do what you enjoy. And so don't like you're working a day in your life and then you're earning money through <gasps> Shannon Marie, you entrepreneur you. That's that's amazing. I like I like how you're able to do that. Oh, it's thank stress you. it's stress free. But I imagine that when you're stressed, you need to think of something else to do to kind of like take your mind off because your hobby and your income stream are the same thing. So take, for example, I work, you know, as an educator and then I have a podcast. So, and I call them my wife and my mistress. When my wife gets stressed, stressing to me, I move to my mistress. And so I'm able to have that, you know, diversity of, you know, interest. But for you, how do you, how do you slow down? How do you? Yeah. Without, without getting burnt out because it's all training and equipping people and working with people all day long. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, that's a little bit of a struggle, especially during quarantine. But previously, like, I love um, salsa dancing. 
So that's what I do to just like when I'm stressed out, I just put on some sauce or some bachata music and I just keep going like that. I love that. Like when I'm doing that, I don't think about anything else. <laughs> um, and what else? Yeah, I have a lot of uh, hobbies. I like to work out. That helps me to like relieve a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, I like hiking. Um, that yeah, that's helpful. That helps with the stress also. So those three things mainly. Like okay. when I want to just get away from it all. So you have to be super intentional about self care. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, two things about my country is there's this thing that we say that the reward of a teacher is in heaven, or the reward the reward of teachers is in heaven, and this is because you know I think in the US is similar. I think in most places we all agree, especially if you're except you're in Finland, well, or Korea, we all agree that teachers are not paid very well. And in my country, especially, the government has this latitude towards improving the standard of education. Do you believe that the rewards of teachers should be in heaven, or do you guys want to get your reward right now and, like, you know, pay me the money? Oh, good question. Uh, pay me the money. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just got it, man. <laughs> no, I, I really believe, like, you, because I think, you know, pay people what their value what value they bring to the table because they can use the money how they feel how they feel is appropriate to better their lives and so yes there there is a long-term reward of you know your kids are always they're gonna come back to you and say you know you learned they learned so much from you you turn them into like a great adult that's great that's wonderful but you also have to think about your life now as a teacher. Like you want to make your life the best life that you can have as a teacher. And that includes paying me what I'm worth. <laughs> so I say pay me now. <laughs> I know what you mean. Even in Oklahoma here, teachers, a lot of teachers have moved to Texas because Texas pays, you know, a lot better. And I just... I wish I could do a lot better and pay teachers what they what they because there's so much you guys do. Especially with the pandemic and having to and I know you're not in the classroom, but with the pandemic having to like do for those that are doing hybrids, for those that have to like, you know, revamp their whole heck, I was also stressed last year because we had to do all of everything on Zoom. Do you know how much passion it takes to be emotive on Zoom and be more inventive and try to like make your students know, you know, um, comments you know not be depressed just by the lectures it's a lot of work but you know i hope that as time goes on we do appreciate teachers i think most of us have that sentiment appreciating teacher but teachers but i think it's time we put our money where our mouth is you know or our mouth where our money is that kind of i don't know which one is correct i can't remember right now but um second thing i want to ask you is this this is a very general statement some people don't, some, some, it's not very applicable all across Africa. But let me just use Nigeria example, as an example. It's, it's not unusual in some cases or in schools where teachers and parents inflict corporal punishments, like on students, like lashes or punishments and all that, on students that are not academically sound. And it's believed that beating or inflicting those corporal punishments on the students will promote seriousness that would equate to improvement in the academic work. What do you have to say about this? And or if you, I, I, I want to imagine that against that. What would you recommend for teachers and parents when dealing with students that are not academically strong? Yeah, so I think, you know, what 
one of the things that I notice in terms of students who are not academically strong is to look at like the developmental side of it. So it's like parents and teachers, we have our expectations, we have our expectations of where students should be at a certain point, but does that match up with that student developmentally? So like, for example, you know, if I have, I'm just using, you know, a random example. If I have a kindergarten student, they're coming into kindergarten, right? And the expect the expectation is that they're reading at the they're reading at the beginning. That's the, the expectation is that they're reading at the beginning of kindergarten. Mm. But is that really developmentally appropriate for that age? So it's like you can't force a child to start reading when they enter kindergarten because they might not be developmentally ready. So it's like you have to balance it out. And in terms of older kids, I think it's the um you have to develop like that intrinsic motivation, right? And so when I say intrinsic, like the child, you have to develop like that love of le- the love of learning. For, <laughs> that would be the best for the child. Yeah. 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 So, and I also think what we take for granted is practice. You know, a lot of students, like they'll just give up because they didn't get it right the first time or they, did, they didn't get it right the second time. And so... But you have to practice. Like you can't just expect it to just come automatically. And um, Carol Dweck talks a little bit about it in the growth mindset. Like, you know, I, a lot of parents and teachers say, "Oh, you're so smart. You're so smart." But that's not what we should be telling kids because you know, kids tend to think, "Oh, I'm smart. I should be able to figure it out. Figure it out in the first try." Yeah. No, it's it's gonna take time because it's something new that you're learning. You've never seen it before. And so you have to practice, you have to learn from your mistakes and you have to keep going. So I think, you know, our expectations of where kids should be and, you know, giving them that time to practice and to make mistakes and to just keep going, even when they think things are like, you know, hard. Yeah. You know, they have to keep going. And I think sometimes like we, it's like as the, as the adults, sometimes as the teachers and parents, like we give up more, e- we give up more easily than we think, you know, um, because I noticed that like with younger kids, sometimes like they get to a point where they, they give up on themselves. Like, but you kind of, you have to kind of like nudge them to make them keep going, if that makes sense. And a lot of parents teachers they'll they'll see that the kid is giving up but they give up themselves too and so what happens is, is like both people both teachers students, and students and teachers have given up yeah yeah it, it's a very subtle thing but I see I see that a lot and I think that's what happens because I've I've seen it with a lot of kids I've seen it with my nephew you know like you know he's in a very good school district and you know, very, very intelligent little boy. And, you know, I was like, wait a minute. He knows his letters. He knows his sounds. You know, I don't want to take all the time, but he knows his letters. He knows his sounds, but he wasn't like really reading. And this was first grade. And by first grade, you know, you should be reading, you know, at your level. And once I started working with him, I saw, I was like, oh, he never got over the hump of like, I can do this because he just said, well, like he, he gave up. He didn't say that because you know, he couldn't articulate it that at the time. Yeah, that time. Yeah. You know, I, I had to like push him forward. Like, no, you can do this. 
you know and so i think that's one of the big things when it comes to st- students that have um difficulties and i think i think what i'm hearing from you is right and praise them for being smart is develop their ability to speak to them like stick to itism like develop their um curiosity at problem solving and don't let them be so outcome oriented like you're smart so you should always get it but always praise them when they're able to like stick to something that you can, even though they're struggling, but they're able to commit to solving that problem. I think it will serve them more, especially at a very younger age. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, two questions that I promise. Um, this is just a curveball question is, I mean, you, you, I say that you've had this very fulfilling life and, you know, moving from Jamaica here, I, I kind of, want, I don't doubt that you probably had some, Adversities along the way, even though you look all calm and you know gentle and quiet <laughs> and all that. So, not for the shock at all. But I just want to know about your process as being human. And if you listen to a couple of my episodes, you also get to know some of my struggles. You know, like struggle with body image, struggle with I have um, depression as well, and just struggling with that sense of there's always that lingering sense of I'm never gonna be enough that's always around me that I'm always trying to like get rid of. So I'm curious to know what has your process been like as far as the humanity part of it, like what are some of the struggles currently have or in another way of putting it to be what adversity have you, have you struggled with or, and if you've overcome it, you can let us know as well. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I also struggle with depression with depression too. Um ever since yeah, like I was younger, it's it's funny because my dad always said like when I was a baby like cuz I have a twin brother and he would he would say that I was the one like always crying. Like he You are a twin? <laughs> yeah, I'm a twin. What? what? <laughs> I am married to a twin and I love twins. Like, we should have just started with that. But sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Fun fact yeah. about you. <laughs> sorry, but, okay. Yeah, so like, yeah, my dad would say like, when I was younger, I was always the one that was crying, 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 crying. But yeah, uh, long story short, yeah, I struggled with depression for a long time. It started actually when I, when I first came to this country, like, the second or third year I was here and um it it's just it's it's really hard um and when I went to college I thankfully they had like a um a program where you could go see a, a therapist on campus and so I did that for four years and that helped help, helped me to get through college by the grace <laughs> that's and that was my saving grace because I think if if I if I didn't do that, I think I've had a really hard time in college. So yeah, that's one of the things I did, and it didn't. It never really completely went away. Like I still struggle with it after college. Like when I first started working, my early adulthood, and um, yeah. So I just I kept going to therapy, kept going to therapy, but I never I never took medication or anything because I'm I'm against it personally, but. I struggled and um but I think what what made it different for me was that and I read a lot of self-help and spiritual books and I read a I read the book by Eckhart Tolle called um it wasn't the power of now no it was uh a new earth and he in the book it was saying that you know 
you can't you can't search for happiness because if you search for happiness you're never gonna be happy and I was like it was like a light bulb for me I'm like because all this time it's like because when you're depressed it's like for me it's like I just want the happy feeling I don't want to feel depressed I don't want to like I just want to be happy and I kept thinking what can I do to be happy what can I do to make me happy and once I just Once I read that, you know, read the book and read that sentence, I was like, wait a minute, I need to just stop looking for happiness because I'm never, it's something, it's elusive. I'm never going to find it. And so like once I kind of took that mindset, it kind of, it, it drastically helped me. Um, and then also I think I kept doing more therapy and uh, the therapist th that I had, um, Not now, but I had her for, she was really good. I had her for about three, four years and she helped me because I've dealt with like a lot of trauma. That's probably why I'm still calm. <laughs> Because wow. I, yeah, I, I've dealt with a lot of trauma. Um, and she helped me just, she helped me just process it all. And she just, you know, she helped me understand like what I, what I've been through or what I go through like it matters and so I shouldn't dismiss it I shouldn't dismiss my feelings and like once I really started like dealing with my feelings and not trying to push them down and push them away and that that really helped me and then finding hobbies definitely helps um so I would say finding finding hobbies doing your hobbies going to therapy and um just realizing that you know happiness is elusive it's you can't you can't find it you just have to You can have joy um, at certain points, or you can have happiness at certain times, but it's 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 not lasting. It's it's fleeting, and so like that, like now, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like now, I know how to manage it. You know, with better cool skills, like you know, working out and hobbies and trying to get my mindset straight. So yeah. <laughs> wow. First, I'm sorry to hear about what you've gone through. And it's amazing how you see people shining and we forget that there's always so much that goes on behind the scene. And I think it also alludes to what you talked about, about, you know, teachers and there's so much you guys have to like put together. And on a bigger scale is, you know, just life as a whole. I'm sorry to hear about the trauma you've been through, but I'm also glad that you're finding ways to um, you know, circumvent that and rise above it. I think life comes a lot of trauma. Living life comes a lot of trauma. And the other layer of that are some of the bad experiences you go through. But I'm glad that you found therapy. You found something that works for you. And like you, therapy has also been my saving grace. I've been in therapy for, kind of won't count now, maybe 10 years now. And uh, yeah, off and on, you know, but every year I just have to, I think just talking to somebody, I could have just said I've been with a friend because I feel my therapist as a friend I can confide in. Because I've traveled a lot and I've moved places, you know, in between. I've had to like change my therapist and start unpacking and starting all over again. And there, there could be some trauma in having to like describe it. Yeah. Someone needs to do a study on that, like switching therapists and just having to like introduce yourself. Can't you just go on an app and just download all your bio data? But anyways, <laughs> all of that is That's there. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you guys say, oh my gosh, I have to explain, you know, why my, my son and my father don't get along. Oh, you're used to get along and why you don't like expressing and things like that. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not trying not to talk to you. I'm not trying to be stingy with information. But you're like a 10th person I'm telling you to all of my lifetime. Can't you get out of the call? This is me. So, um, 
I, I'm sorry for all you've gone through, but I'm also encouraged that you found what works for you. And I think that's the beauty about it. And I'm glad that you are talking about it because in Nigeria, we still see mental health issues. It's trending a lot now, but we still see it as soft issues like, ah, you can't be depressed if you pray and read the Bible. Ah, you know, just stop out of it. How can you be depressed? You know, you have, you know, you, you, you're doing a little bit better. You have a good job. You have this and that. Why should you be depressed? And how to explain to people that you can have all of these things and still be depressed? It doesn't like depression is not. It, it's an equal opportunity offender. Like, it's not care. It's even worse if you're like you know all put together. And I can imagine that even in Jamaica, it's applicable as well. So you know what? I wish you the very best in your journey, and I pray that you continue to find ways to give back to yourself through self care, through therapy. And you really see yourself just how, I mean, I don't know you very well, but I think you're amazing. And I think Aww. you're quite passionate about things you do. And I hope you always see, keep seeing yourself in that light. So all the very best to you, Sherry Marie. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mo. Thank you, you're Mo. Welcome. This is wonderful. You're welcome. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and where we can find you. Yeah, so uh, my podcast is called The Teacher's Impact. You can find you can find it on all your podcast players. So I uh, like I said earlier like I said earlier, um on the podcast, um I help teachers to master their craft. So giving you strategies giving you strategies and tips on how you can become an effective teacher. And I also interview other teachers to get their perspective on how to improve the education system. And um, yeah, so you'll definitely come away listening to the podcast. You, you're going to learn a lot and help, it's going to help you to improve your craft. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And where can we find you? Your, your like your website or podcast? oh yeah. So uh, my website is um, teachersimpact.net. So you can go there. You can find me on Instagram at Shani Marie O and Twitter at Shani Marie O. Same thing. So, um, but yeah, best place is teachersimpact.net. All right. Well, Shani Marie, this has been fun talking to you and. Um, I'm glad I got to know you. And then you are a twin. I'm so crazy about twins. So I think I guess why I like you. There's just something there was like, just special. But then it's education and twins. Now I did some more things to the list. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for telling us a little bit more about you. Thanks for showing us about your passion. And I'm living here just, you know, smiling because, you know, I know you're going to keep doing great stuff. And I wish you the very best on your entrepreneurial journey as well. And I'm living here by, remind, remember what you said about one of the good, one of the traits for a teacher should be, you know, to have that learning spirit, to never stop learning. Because we always tell our students that now it's time for us to, you know, heal our own self and take our own medicine. So thanks for that reminder. And thanks for coming on the show. I hope you come back again so we can talk about us also amazing, other amazing stuff as well. It's been fun talking to Shani Marie today. If you love this episode, don't forget to please subscribe. You guys, this is very important because for the podcast to be out there and be popping, you all need to be subscribing. Hit that subscribe button. Even share with your friends. We love this episode. If you also want to come on the show and share your own story, just come on board. There's always space to explore stories because, you know, I'm all about that story, exploration, lifestyle. Anyways, thank you guys for you know, being here with us today. And I remain your host as always. Musilo. Bye for now. All right, girl. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morosible Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is 
www.mosible.com where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomo at mostable.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Moral Civil Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you and thank you so much for always listening. Farm from this world, a violent weapon and arm.